it is the last day of, well, no, Passover's over. Now, let me explain quickly, and this is not what I'm talking about tonight, but just in case anyone is confused and thinking, wait a second, I thought Passover is until tomorrow. In the Torah, Passover is a seven-day holiday, with the first day and the last day considered a Yom Tov. That's why we have Yisker services today at Shari Tzedek. In Israel, conservative and Orthodox Jews would also observe Passover for seven days. But in the diaspora, outside of Israel, conservative and Orthodox Judaism adds one day to our holidays. Everything but Yom Kippur, the biblical holidays. So not Hanukkah, not Purim, but Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, Passover, and Shavuot. So what that means is instead of the first day being a Yom Tov and the last day being a Yom Tov, the first two days are Yom Tov and the last two days are Yom Tov and they add an extra day. So you have an eighth day. Now, I meant to look this up and I forgot. So I'm 80% sure. <laughs> if you were in Israel today, and you were a conservative or orthodox Jew, my understanding is that you would still keep Passover until tomorrow. Passover would be over, but you would not eat any bread until tomorrow night. Does anyone know why? Do you know why? No. It's still sunset. It's still sunset. The problem is that you cannot own any chametz during Passover. Right? So if you are a conservative or orthodox Jew, even living in Israel, yes, Passover is a seven-day holiday. Passover is over. But you couldn't go buy a challah this afternoon, and you can't go tonight after services to the bar to get a beer, so you're stuck, and you still can't eat any chametz until tomorrow night. We are not a conservative or orthodox synagogue, so in our Oneg Shabbat tonight, there will be non-kosher for Passover desserts, but knowing that we have members of our community who might be used to observing an eighth day, we do have a table with kosher for Passover goodies as well. If you're not keeping Passover tonight, at least let those who are get to that table first, but if you're dying for a macaroon, you can still go get one after. So yes, we are now done with Passover, um, but another dilemma is what Torah portion do we read as Reformed Jews? Um, because all of our conservative and Orthodox friends will be reading the Torah portion for the eighth day of Passover tomorrow. And um, if, if we move on, we could be on par with our Israeli friends, but we would be off with our neighbors down the street. We're in luck because our bar mitzvah is tomorrow afternoon, and with Havdalah we go to the next Shabbat anyway. But as far as what I wanted to talk about tonight, I want to stay with Passover. 
So yes, Passover is over, but since we're in this kind of gray area, you'll bear with me. And it all started with a podcast that I was listening to this week. How many of you do I have on to podcasts now that we have a Shari Tzedek podcast? How many still don't know what a podcast is? <laughs> all right. Well, if you are now on to podcasts, one you should add is called Israel Story. And Israel's story is kind of like This American Life, but for Israel. And this week, Israel's story, which is off right now, they're on vacation, posted a story from another podcast called Unorthodox, which is not my favorite. You should, you should listen to it. You should try it. Some people love it. But this was a great story, and I loved it, and I was really glad they shared it. And it started by talking about how many in the Jewish community, really how many in the American community um, overall, have this story in their family of a name being changed at Ellis Island. Do any of you have one of those stories? Okay, I want to hear one or two. Who has a story that they'd be willing to share? My grandfather came from Russia, and his name was Ben something, uh -huh. and they named it Ellis Island Ben Hers, H-I-R-Z, and there are no other Herses around, so okay. we know it got changed. And he was not real bright, so he just let him do it, but he told the kids that it wasn't his real name. All right. Who else has? We'll take one or two more. So um, my great-grandparents also came from Russia, and they were two brothers, and um, the original name was Chizinski, and they gave one brother the name Chazar, and the other name Cezar, C-E-Z-A-R. So half of the family was divided, and also was very interesting, the two brothers ended up marrying two sisters that were also immigrants from Russia. Oh, wow. I can take one more if anyone has one. Okay, I've got it. You're going to make me come all the way over there, Al. It is good exercise. And this will be our last one. Anyone else will have to tell me later. Uh, my grandfather came to the United States as Feldman, F-E-L-D-M-A-N, and he took the D out. So it ended up as Feldman. But people keep telling me, calling me Feldman, and I just say the D is silent. <laughs> All right, now, two of you told the story they changed his name. Al, you told the story he changed his name. Was that intentional? But, but did he change his name, or did they change, being Ellis, was it Ellis Island? Okay, you don't know. All right. According to this podcast, and upon further research, according to scholars who have been doing this research over the last decade or so, it is highly unlikely that any of our ancestors' names were changed at Ellis Island. 
that the way that it would work is that the ship would have a roster, a, a manifest of everyone on board, and the folks at Ellis Island, their only job, they had the, the information, and they were making sure through an interview that everyone coming through, that their information, what they said their information was, matched the information that they had. And according to one article I read, these people didn't even have a pencil. Um, things were moving very quickly. It was either there are inconsistencies, you need to go over there, or everything is okay, you can go this way. So as we look at these stories of name changes coming to this country, there are two places they could have happened. The first is when they were getting on the ship. And when they were getting on the ship, they were talking to people who knew their language, so it couldn't have been a language mix-up. Spelling changes could have very well happened. If it's a spelling mistake, it might be that the person didn't know how to spell the name. But if the name was changed completely, there's a pretty good chance that the person who changed it is your great grandfather, your grandfather, whoever it is for you. Then the other time the name could have changed is once they were in this country, right? A lot of people would change their name because either a perceived or a true advantage or more disadvantage if you had a foreign sounding or specifically Jewish sounding name. So at least according to this podcast and the articles that it was based upon, if your name changed, it's most likely that you did it yourself, not you yourself, but your family. I, I could, it, it's possible that the other is true, but it's most likely that it's not. Okay? Now the real question, or the, to me the more interesting question, is why would the story be, they changed my name, if in reality I changed my name? Yeah, right? That, that there is some kind of discomfort in admitting that I gave up my roots in order to fit in here. Um, you really should listen to the podcast, and during the ONEG, I'll help anyone get it set up on your phone. That was a dangerous offer, but I, I will try. Um, one, of, one of the things that they talk about is that to petition to change your name, you had to go to a, a judge. And I'm going to get the name wrong. I'm going to make up a name, and I apologize for this. But there was one instance of someone named, say, Herman Cohen, who was going to change his name, and the judge was also named Herman Cohen. Um, so he, he denied the name change. Um, and there was another one where he allowed the name change but gave a scathing uh, um, response. So I want to go for a second back to Torah, nothing having to do with, um, with well, a little having to do with Passover, because it's not the time when we were oppressed, it's what was happening when things were going well. 
right? How did we end up in Egypt? Joseph went down. Joseph went down as a slave, but he brought the, um, he saved the Egyptian people from famine, and he ended up being Pharaoh's number two. And what do we read? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you, no one would, or without you, no one will lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. This is Pharaoh making Joseph the, the vizier, the number two, the vice Pharaoh. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphonat Paneah. What did Pharaoh do? He gave Joseph an Egyptian name. He gave, now, is this the true story or not? We don't know. But at least according to the Torah, Pharaoh gives Joseph an Egyptian name. Then, a few verses later, Joseph has twin sons. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Menasheh. Ah, all right. We have hope, right? Joseph gave his son a Hebrew name. Except what does Menasheh mean? For God has made me forget all my toil and all of my father's house. Right? So Joseph gives his son a Hebrew name, but that Hebrew name means I have forgotten my roots and where I come from. So we have Joseph given an Egyptian name, and then the name of his son meaning I've forgotten where I come from. But then his family comes down, he reunites, and the blessing that Jacob gives, that Jacob, Joseph's father, gives to Menashe and Ephraim is you, the two of you, my son's son, shall be like my sons. So after giving up his roots, he's able to go back to his roots, making those roots a part of the future life in Egypt. Okay? So let's go back to our ancestors, some of whom changed their names, some of whom gave up other pieces of their identity in order to fit into this country at a time when things were really rough and when being named Rabinowitz probably was not going to help you get that job, right? So in order to move forward, in order to get to where they knew they needed to be, they changed. They gave up. But they didn't view it that way. They said they changed my name at Ellis Island, perhaps, because they felt they had no choice. Even though they loved America and didn't want to say anything bad about their new home, they also understood or felt that they had to give up their identity in order to fit in, right? And when we look at early reform Judaism, what did early reform Judaism do? We got rid of everything that made us different. When you walked into a reform synagogue, if you were wearing a yarmulke, they asked you to take it off, right? Because our goal was fitting in. But what happened as time progressed, as we became more comfortable, maybe we didn't change our names back, but we started accepting those things that make us different. We started embracing those things that make us different while still embracing 
our Americanness. So our names now represent the coexistence in those two worlds. And as we celebrate our freedom, as we celebrate our place, we also find ourselves in this time between Passover and Shavuot waiting to receive the Torah. And what is the Torah? The Torah represents all of those things that will make us different in our new place of freedom. So we wear these two names, we embrace these two names, and I wanted to end my message this evening with a poem that we read at this morning's Yisker service. It's a poem, a modern poem by the Hebrew poet Zelda. The Hebrew is Lechol Ish Yesh Shem. Each person has a name. Each person has a name. We each have a name given by God and given by our father and mother. We each have a name given by our stature and smile and given by our attire. We each have a name given by the hills and given by the walls. We each have a name given by the stars and given by our friends. We each have a name given by our sins and given by our yearnings. We each have a name given by our enemies and given by love. We each have a name given by celebrations and given by our work. We each have a name given by the seasons and given by our blindness. We each have a name given by the sea and given by our death. And as we think about that way in which we'll be remembered, my prayer is for each of us that the name that they gave us and the name that we gave ourselves are in harmony with one another. That the way in which others see us is the way in which we see ourselves and that we can be proud of that image knowing that all of the people who made us who we are, all of the experiences that made us who we are, that all of those different elements of us express themselves through the way in which we all live our lives.